1: Hello and welcome to another episode of But Why, the podcast that's all about digging into big questions and tricky topics via honest conversations. And this week we're going to be looking at the menopause, which even as I say that is making my palms sweat because I've been <laughs> reading Davina's book all weekend and I've got the fear, but she's going she's gonna to un-fear me, hopefully. Um, today I'm speaking to Davina McCall, presenter, fitness guru, author, mother Proper household name. She has had a TV career that spanned nearly three decades. I think you've been on some of the most iconic shows. I kind of feel like I've grown up with you. It's, it's yeah, quite mad when I even say three decades because that feels like a reflection on me as well. It's how a did a reflection we get so grown? All
0: of us, Chloe.
1: How did we get so grown up? Jeez. How did, how did this? Happen? Um. It's, it just goes, doesn't it? on the space um, that's not all that Davina does she's also got a fitness empire with sales over 1.4 million of Own Your Goals Davina she's an ambassador for Garnier and Rivita and she's now an author of the book Menopausing the Positive roadma- Roadmap not Romance to Your Second Spring oh, what a career it can well have done.
0: romance as well Clemmie can it? yeah is that true? let's, let's, let's put some romance in there I
1: struggle to see where romance is I always start with three quick questions before we get into the menopause bit how are you really what star sign are you and what's your favourite crisp so
0: um, I am genuinely really really good I am so happy and um, full of hope for the future um, and that's not to say I don't have ups and downs but I have reached a time in my life where I roll with the punches you know I know that after a down there'll be an up and I know when I'm in the mass of a big up uh, there'll, there's going to be a down but I, you know, I've i got to an age where I know that's what happens so it's just quite a nice feeling of contentment and satisfaction what a thing wow but
1: isn't yeah isn't that so nice to have that kind of I guess it's self-assuredness that whatever comes even if it'll be really really hard one way and another you will wiggle
0: through it yeah and I think also like there are so many um advantages to getting older that I never really grasped when I was young I just saw getting older as being a bad thing That. Things like the fact that every piece of pain that you go through and, I've, you know, I've gone through my fair share as anybody does at my age. You know, people I love have died and like lots of people that have died and um, and, you know, been through many different kind of uh, things, but they all help you. They all help kind of formulate a person that's kind of a bit more rounded. And I don't feel naive anymore. Just feel... I think, the, I think my overarching, probably greatest gift that I do know that some people struggle with is gratitude. Mm. Like, my life is immeasurably better than it was when I was
1: young. Do you feel like you work at gratitude, or you, or it's it's kind
0: of innate to you? I think, I think, I think, because I had quite a complicated childhood, and there was a lot of crazy stuff going on. So when things things are calm, you know, for some people it might just be the norm, but I'm just like, oh, this is so nice, or even down to. Um, when I was addicted mm. to heroin, I talk about this a lot, but this was kind of one of the things that I really hated about it. I woke up every morning in just sweat-soaked sheets because I needed more heroin. And every day when I wake up mm. and my sheets are dry, that's why blooming perimenopause at the beginning was so weird because I wasn't waking up in dry sheets. But we'll talk a bit more about <laughs> that later, Clemmie. Um, But... When I, you know, when I wake up in dry sheets, which I now do, I'm mm. so grateful. You know, I'm so grateful to wake up in the morning still. You know, I used to wake up and it would be dark and it would say four o'clock and I'd think, is it four o'clock in the morning or is it four o'clock in the afternoon? I mean, what kind of a lemon life is that? Um, and I know that's kind of normal for young people and teenagers and everybody goes mad, but it was regular for me and it was regular for me for many years. And I, I'm not that person. I don't like that feeling. I don't mm. want to sleep all day. I don't want to miss miss life. And that's another thing, you know. I, I spent a long time just coasting, and now I feel like I don't want to coast. Mm. I want to do it all. How How long did that
1: chapter go on for when you were in in like deep addiction? The using,
0: yeah. Say mm. deep addiction, probably only about six months. The slow crawl towards being completely out of control started at 12, and then got kind of bad around 16, and then car crash at 19, and then I spent five years just white-knuckling, not becoming an addict, just trying really, really hard not to let it consume my life, but it was just inching in, like, all the time.
1: And aren't your kids? Oh, am I right in saying your kids are kind of around that going into that? You, have you got teenage kids or they're not quite that old? So
0: it must be particularly. I've got three kids. Yeah, they're 16, 19, and 21. Right.
1: So they've kind of gone past that point when your life spiraled. It must be so strange to begin. Yeah. And then you realize
0: how young you were. Yeah. I mean, that was massive for me looking at my 12 year old children and thinking, this is where you picked up a joint. That was really, really <sighs> big and horrible. Because I think up until that point, I kind of thought, well, how bad was it? You know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, it was crazy and I didn't have a conventional upbringing. But and then when my kids got to that age, I just thought, you know what, this wasn't OK. Like, give you, give yourself a hug mm-hmm. and, and give yourself a bit of pat on the back and go, you know, you got through some serious shit there. Like, because I think it's important not to diminish something if something happened to you. And it was It was not right, you know. It's okay to sort of say it wasn't... You you don't need to sort of make it better. It's okay to say it wasn't right and well done for getting through it. It's fascinating, isn't it? Because I think, personally, I could spend
1: a lot of time being envious of people who seem like really happy-go-lucky, but I'm wondering now whether all those happy-go-lucky people have... Have had a reference point of something pretty dark to get there, you know. If you met you now, not knowing your history, you'd be like, Oh, Tavina's so happy, yeah, because she knows
0: what the other is like. How old are you, Clemmy? I'm 40. Because, um, you know, I've got a friend of mine who's, um, uh, 34, and um, her mum got sick. And like really sick Like could have died sick And she and her mum were like inseparable And it She'd had an idyllic lifestyle Up until that point Popular at school, Mm -hmm. absolutely gorgeous Always had boyfriends, never got bullied Family together Mum and dad really love each other Like absolutely perfect She was one of those people that you would have looked at And gone, oh god I mean she doesn't even know the meaning of stress She's just had a perfect life Mm -hmm. But this thing with her mum, it has totally poleaxed her because she does not have the tools or the resilience to deal with it and she's been in such a bad way, like really, really bad. Whereas if you have been, you know... um pulling like dealing with people pulling knives on you on your walk home from school or if you've had been bullied in the classroom or and this, these aren't necessarily things that happened to me but mm. or your parents had a hideously acrimonious split up and you've been used as a pawn in the middle of it or your parents are hideous or one parent's hideous and the other one's lovely but you hate their partner or you know there's so many tough mm. things than can happen to you. But we're always talking about resilience is good, but it really fucking is. Like, resilience is yeah. so important to mm. a person's future happiness because if you've, if you've been through something, and even better, if you've been through loads of awful stuff, you will be grateful <laughs> for the good times. You'll be grateful for the happiness. Yeah. You'll be grateful for the quiet. You'll be grateful for love. You know, it all... It's all right there in front of you, but it never tastes as good if you've never experienced hardship. No, it's so true.
1: It's so true. It's like, I think the great gift of parenting is it makes suddenly, especially if you've been in the new minor a bit older now, they're all at school. Thank goodness, kind of got to that point. But they make those baby years then make you realise even five minutes sitting on your own in, in silence with a book is is like... An absolute gift, and because you, you, you've been through those kind of grappling for anything, but it's true, isn't it? You just need, yeah. <sighs> and then once, yeah, it's interesting. But I, I mean, I want to talk to you about menopause, but the kids and resilience is fascinating mm. because you're like, I don't want anything bad to ever happen to my children. Do you know, but I also want them to be, yeah.
0: A, 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 a huge thing for me, obviously, Clemmy was going to be drugs and kids. Like, you know, have I got a gene? My mum was an alcoholic. Her brother was an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Am I I dysfunctional genetically in some way that's going to mean that I'm predispositioned to passing on addiction to my children? And Mm -hmm. I did so much research on what is the best way to tackle it. And a bit like sex education, the best way to tackle it is to just talk about it. Now, I, in a way, was very lucky because I could say to... Holly, when she was 13, 12, 13. I mean, my, my kids grew up in the country, so they were slightly sort of more um, wrapped up in cotton wool. Maybe, maybe she was 12. You know, that sort of changeover stage in their lives, and you think, okay, mm. they are changing over. And I said to her, listen, I just wanted to say, you're going to get offered drugs at some point quite soon, and mm. I'm going to tell you my story. And... They knew roughly my story and why mummy didn't drink. Mummy you know, had a problem and she drank too much and she, it meant that she took drugs. And so my kids grew up thinking, you know, well, people take drugs. It wasn't like, <gasps> what? Um, it was all part, mm. always part of our conversation. But I would talk to Holly a lot about strategies, why I took drugs, um, what, how they made me feel. How, because I took drugs because I ha- had a whole... In my in my chest, and it it was never full. Like I just i'd i'd re- be reaching for things, men, food, drugs, to try and fill it. Sorry, I'd be reaching for things to try and fill it, but nothing would fill it. Um, constantly, it would always. It was like it was a sieve, a colander, and it was always draining. And I'd be laughing please don't go full feeling please I felt good for like five minutes please come back Mm -hmm. and then it would be empty again I'd be like I've got to find something else to make me feel good make me feel better now I look at my three kids and you know up until they were quite old they did live in a family home with two parents and a roof over their head and food on the table and they had their basic needs met and, um, you know, I was I was a working mum like so many of us, but I, I was also present. You know, I did the best that I could. I wasn't brilliant and I wasn't perfect. And when I wasn't right uh, or perfect, I would apologise. And um, I did the best I could, you know, um, but I did an all right job. So I, I didn't see them with that hole, but I, we would discuss the reasons why they might take drugs, what might peer pressure was a huge one we talked about that a lot how would you deal with peer Mm -hmm. pressure and they would uh i have never said to my kids don't take drugs i've just said like this is what will happen it's like russian roulette you don't know um what kind of a person you are if you're an addict or not and it's a little bit risky like because you never know if you start but obviously you know they're like my 20 year old she's an adult I don't get to kind of grill her anymore or stop her doing something or I just but I'm so unbelievably proud of the person that she's turned into and my 18 year old and you know my 16 year old's just going into the mega danger zone now like 16th birthday party and everything but I'm really proud of him as well and I would never say like don't do it because it just means that if they do then they'll never come and talk to me about it or they'll never come Mm. and say actually I'm in a bit of trouble or my friend's in a bit of trouble because they'll just think I'll finger wag them and I don't want to be that person I always want to be open to to discussions about it but you know I'm really I'm really proud of the people that they've turned into but I I am learning and I really only properly learned this kind of after the second kid that You know, guidance is much better than the really tight hands on the steering wheel and trying to steer their lives. It's so tense for you as a parent. It's so tense for the kid. It's like, Mm. come to me if you need something, you know, well, what do you think about that? Would you like to get? I I once said, never say no to a teenager. And everybody's like, what are you mad? But I stand by that. I've always been like that with the kids. And if they go, I'd like to stay out till three and they're 14. And I go, well, that's not that's not going to work for me. But like, tell me if we like what, mm. what do you because I, I need to sleep and I don't mm. think I can stay up till three. But what, what would be like an acceptable time for you? And I'll go two, and I go, could you do one because I'm just going to be so tired. And they'd go, all right, one. But they feel like they've won something, right? I didn't go, no, yeah. you're not staying out till three. It's mm. like with teenagers. They need autism, autism. Auto- uh, autonomy. autonomy. They need
1: autonomy. Yeah, so true. Then they're not pushing, 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 mm. which we all know is, yeah, is, is a dangerous thing. But that's so... And
0: then you never get the slam the door, I hate you.
1: no. Oh. And hopefully, maybe they'll even get in at half twelve. Once, once it doesn't feel like well, I know myself; it was always an act of rebellion. And if there's nothing you're really rebelling against, then might as well just come home. That's the point, yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I can't even imagine what te- having teenagers is like. And it, it's true; like, oh, do will they have the addictive gene? But as you say, it's maybe it's less about genetics and more about having a hole to fill. And if hopefully they don't have. It. I mean, they might have a hole because we're parents, but of not, a not void avoid that they exactly. need to plug. Oh god! Anyway, none of this is about menopause, but it is uh, fascinating. <laughs> so let's let's get into the menopause thing. What what is the part of it that has surprised you most?
0: I mean, I think you know the the I, I went I started going through it over ten years ago now, and when I was going through it. Literally, no one talked about it. My stepmom didn't talk about it. I had never heard any elder stateswomen talk about it. When I lived with my granny when I was a little girl, I seem to remember hearing her talk about the change, but it was like the change, and it was whispered behind closed doors, um, and it felt like something we should be ashamed of. It felt like something that you had to struggle on through, stiff up a lip. Um, belts and braces, Mm -hmm. you know, don't talk about it because that's weak and it will go away. But it wasn't like that for me. And things started happening. And I think all these, if you looked at each symptom separately, you could be forgiven for thinking you were seriously ill. You know, you could be forgiven for thinking you had some chronic virus that wouldn't go away that made you sweaty and hot. You had um, heart, heart disease from your heart palpitations. You could think you've got arthritis from all your aching joints. You could think that you have some kind of skin condition because your skin's so flaky and dry. You could think that um, you've got constant cystitis. And what's that about? You know, and you're anxious and depressed, which means that you've got some kind of, maybe you're clinically depressed and need help with that. And all those separately are really scary. But I just didn't... Like connect the dots and put it together, and I I had never even heard of the word perimenopausal, and so I think that surprised mm. me. That something that happens to every single woman, we knew nothing about. And then when I got this opportunity a couple of years ago, I'd done a podcast with um, a doctor, a menopause specialist, for my fitness platform. And I just thought thought it'd be quite an interesting chat to have because I didn't really, still didn't know that much about it, but I was on HRT, but I was under the impression that I was putting my life in danger by going on HRT, but literally it was either my job or HRT, so I chose mm. HRT. I listened to this doctor and I thought, why doesn't everybody know this stuff? This is unbelievable information, mm. and this is all the information that we've been putting out for the last few years that now... You know, your journey will not be the same as mine because of people like this woman and all the other amazing menopause warriors that went before me. Mariella, Kirsty Walk, you know, that did celebrities, that did documentaries before me. Meg Matthew, she's been brilliant. Lisa Snowden. And, mm. um, you know, you will have a different journey. Mm. But we, we just knew nothing. I've always been amazed. And I'm still amazed at how many women still
1: no, nothing well I mean actually if we think about the context growing up at school no one even talked about periods I mean I did spend lots of my my teenage years putting a sanitary towel up my sleeve to and I went to an all-girls school it's like Mm. so in all (laughs) it's like we're all doing this isn't it everyone's doing the same thing (gasps) and uh, what are we doing (gasps)
0: Less. but we all did it yeah, no one it talked is about ridiculous. it or even I really, and I think you know we've come a long way since boys every time a you know a woman used to say the word Tampax a boy would giggle like I, I'm hoping now that that is happening less and less um, maybe because you know we need men on yeah we need men on side right I, I've got a really interesting thing I've heard a few women say that one of the first signs of perimenopause for them was that their Tampax fell out because they were so dry in their vagina that it didn't expand. Like, if there wasn't enough blood, you know, sometimes you're a bit light in the blood, it didn't expand and it would fall out. What a thing.
1: That's mad. Isn't and it? it's just one of those things you go, oh, that's a bit Never strange. Happened to me.
0: <laughs> but it's really strange. Yeah. well, what I had, I had such a weird symptom. I didn't know this, but like, I had um so vaginal atrophy is like the really horrible i mean vaginal atrophy sounds like i said in the book it sounds like your vagina's died or something um but i also said in the book like i've got the keys and i'm going to make you a copy of the keys and we're going to reopen your shop um (laughs) but uh basically it 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 was a little bit dry right and so i started going through and when i wiped myself after a week I was getting a bit sore down there. I was like, oh. And I thought, why am I sore? And then it dawned on me that I had no lubricant down below for the paper to slide over. We take that kind of stuff Mm. so for granted that we're lubed up down there so that stuff like that doesn't hurt and sex doesn't hurt and things like that. I was like, oh my God, this is so bizarre. And again, at the time, I thought that was a separate condition. I went to see a gynecologist. And in fact, after the doctor had said they weren't going to give me HRT It was the gynae that gave me HRT in the end
1: but this is the problem as you say it, it's so broad and actually of all the bits that you talk about in your book as the bits that terrify me it's actually the brain fog which in turn means that la- lack of mm, sense or the loss yes. of sense of self which is what i remember from newborn days you know um which i find the most terrifying because you can't you almost then can't piece the bits together you can go oh, not function yeah you know, you're like this bit's not right mm. this bit's not right but i haven't got the mental capacity to go mm. this
0: big picture isn't right yeah so, Clemmy, what happens is that um, 25% of women don't have any symptoms at all. Okay. And 50% of women have symptoms ranging from the odd, the odd hot flush or night sweat or, you know, slightly aching joints occasionally, but pretty annoying, but like not debilitating. And then kind of that could range all the way up to really, you know, I mean, mine were threatening that I was going to have to leave my job. But then the final 25% are really, really struggling. I mean, we're talking can't get out of bed, absolutely shattered, have lost all will to live. I mean, the suicide rate of women between 45 and 55 is the highest at that age, female suicide. So, it you know, it comes as no surprise that that is that time of life when... If we don't talk about it, Mm. it's a really, really scary place to be. However, the other big thing that I wanted to do, well, there's two things. One was to demystify HRT Mm. because I think that, I I don't know if I've got the stat here, but it's a very low percentage of women take HRT Mm. that can. So um, out of the, like, percentage of women that can i.e that haven't had an estrogen receptive breast cancer um i think it's only th- i mean please don't quote me on mm. this but 13 14 15 percent, something around that mark which i was amazed at because y- you would think if it was something but that is because it is so surrounded by i'm gonna get breast mm. cancer and that is all we think one in seven of us is gonna get breast cancer And there is nothing we can do about Mm -hmm. it. No lifestyle changes. It doesn't matter how much we exercise. It doesn't matter if we take HRT or not. One in seven of us will get HRT. I mean, breast cancer. One in seven of us will get breast cancer. And so that's a stat that we all have to get our heads round. So let's talk about the risks of HRT in terms of breast cancer. So if you were to take estrogen only, so um, if you had had your womb removed and you didn't need to think about protecting your womb with progesterone and you were just taking estrogen, you in fact lower your risk of breast cancer. Wow. So if you're not taking progesterone, your risk of breast cancer, if you take HRT, goes down, uh, if you take estrogen. Mm-hmm. So, phew, mind blown. Um If you do take progesterone, it slightly increases your risk of breast cancer, but less than drinking moderately. Um, And if, say, you are obese, and this is, I have nothing against obese people, but this is just a fact. uh, It increases your risk of breast cancer by an enormous amount. But no one talks about these things and goes, oh, you mustn't um, be obese or you mustn't drink alcohol because it's going to give you breast cancer in the same way that they do with HRT yeah. and it seems so crazy because there are many health benefits and I know you shouldn't take HRT just for the health benefits you know it's got to be something that you kind of look at and you think oh okay I've got these symptoms um, estrogen affects everything in my body so it can help protect my heart it can also help protect my mind if i take it early enough it can also um, protect and in fact re-strengthen uh, my bones so if you can take it mm. uh, and you've talked it through with your gp and your gp says it's not the big scary thing that everybody thinks it is you there are other lifestyle factors that you are potentially putting yourself way more at risk of breast cancer from than HRT yeah and if uh, but it's, nobody knows
1: that and if it's like life-threatening in terms of losing your you know that that un, miserable then you have got to weigh up so when we say taking HRT what does that involve and how quickly did you feel the impacts of, the impact of it
0: so um, hor- hormone replacement therapy is what HRT stands for and there are three hormones that we lose when we go through the menopause um, and they are estrogen, progesterone and testosterone and the testosterone for women is like a slow dip down but some women at different parts of their lives, some women might go down a bit steeper, some women might have very low testosterone. I know a girlfriend of mine who had hers checked just out of interest the other day and she had extremely healthy levels of testosterone. It can really differ in all women. I do take a bit of testosterone and I am now within normal limits again. Um, But to me, that is the final piece of the jigsaw in terms of well-being and feeling back on it again. Mm. You know, you talked about brain fog. It was like the final key for that. And then the other two that everybody really knows about are oestrogen and progesterone. The reason why you need to take progesterone is because if you take oestrogen alone, it can thicken your womb and that will put you at risk of womb cancer. And so we take progesterone to keep your womb lining thin. Um, I use the Mirena coil because I um, didn't agree with the eutrogestin pills. The eutrogestin pills and transdermal estrogen, which is the combination that I have. So I have, I don't know why I'm stroking that because I was stroking my arm there, but actually I put my patch on my hip. Um, I have a patch that I put on my hip twice a week and i um, that's the estrogen. And then I've got the Morana coil, which is slow release progesterone.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: The eutrogestin pill, which is the normal progesterone pill that women are given, if you're still bleeding, you'll take it cyclically. If you're not bleeding anymore, you take it every day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That can help you sleep. So they give it to you at night. Or, or not they give it to you, you take mm-hmm. it at night. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't massively get on with that with the bleeding and everything. So I just thought, I'm just going to have them run a call and I won't bleed anymore. The thing about um, the pill and the transdermal, which would be gel spray or patch, is that um, all of them are body identical. So all the modern HRT is body identical, which means it's the same as the body produces. Obviously, it's not exactly the same because our body isn't producing it. But um, in terms of scientific measure, it is body identical and um, is, I think it's vegan. I think transdermal HRT and progesterone or definitely um, estrogen is vegan. So it's incredibly different from the horses urine patches that we've all heard about that, you know were not great and not great for your in terms of risk of breast cancer etc back in the day it's a very very different kettle of fish now so what people normally do is they get put on quite a low dose if they went to their gp and they talked through their symptoms if you're going to go see your gp i'd definitely book him for a double appointment and if you are 40 right so Clem, if i was you I would um, call up your GP surgery and say, um, do you have a GP or nurse practitioner that specialises in women's health? And if your GP doesn't have one of those, then maybe get together some women or, or ask for one. And then if they're not kind of forthcoming and asking for getting one, then start maybe putting something up in the surgery wall and say would any women like to get a women's Mm. health specialist at this surgery please sign here if you want to get involved that kind of thing Mm. because it's important that you can go and see somebody at your GP that knows about this stuff Mm -hmm. so you can talk it through with them talk through the risks talk through the benefits and make an informed decision for yourself Mm
1: -hmm. Do you wish you'd kind of had this if you'd have had this information earlier? Would you have? Would things have been different for you? Do you think if you'd had your eyes on it from forty? For example, I mean, I wouldn't.
0: Yeah, I I wouldn't have spent you know the best part of two, maybe three years, absolutely terrified and really scared that I wasn't going to be able to keep a roof over my kids' heads or food on the table. I just thought I was going to lose everything. Did you really? Yeah, just like I just thought, how am I going to work? I can't work. And and I mean, I could I could have gone and got another. I mean, I could have gone and got another job, but it's quite hard when you're Davina McCall (laughs) off telly, um, you know. And I'm not. I I'm very. I'm a grafter. I'll do anything. Like I would, and I would have found a way. But it was immensely stressful, wondering if everything, my whole life was going to have to change because I was so sick and I I didn't know what it was. And until you started
1: being more public about it, was that just going round and round in your head? Or or did you speak to friends? No, because
0: um, after two two or three years, I spoke to a cousin, my cousin, and she helped me out a lot. And um, she told me that she was feeling the same things and um, it was really comforting to know and sometimes she'd say a symptom and I'd think oh my god I've got that Mm. so often when I'm talking on the radio I keep trying to mention kind of various odd symptoms I mean there are so many weird ones Uh, you know everybody knows about dry skin and dry hair, frizzy hair everything changes but not many people know about dry eyes and dry mouth I've got dry mouth right now Um, and I've always got gum uh, by me because Dry mouth is helped by gum or gum chewing. You try and find a healthy gum because lots of gums aren't that healthy. And it, and the saliva lubricates your mouth and that prevents the an imbalance happening in your mouth because if you've got an imbalance in your mouth, it's really bad for your gums and your teeth. That's why so many women in midlife have massive problems with their gums and their teeth. And And my dentist, I was really proud to find out, knew all about this and was completely educated about it, but lots of dentists don't. And don't put two and two together. And, um, yeah, you've got to look after your mouth health. And eyes. I put eye drops in because my eyes are dry. And it's weird because sometimes if you've got dry eyes, it makes you cry. So you think, oh, I can't have dry eyes. I'm crying a lot. But actually, you you are crying because your eyes are struggling. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't help. Happen- but, but listen to me. The thing is, is that is that, no, but what I'm saying, Clemmie, is that, when I didn't know about it, this stuff was terrible. And you're kind of going, oh, my God. Yeah. But these are all bridges that you will yeah. cross when you get to it. And you'll cross and you'll go, oh, this is that. I can get this. I mean, I, you know, I have... Um, you, you find strategies and solutions for mm. everything. Mm. And... Once you get those strategies and solutions in, I mean, the only thing that I would say is that my morning ritual is longer than it was when I was 40. Quite elaborate. So my morning ritual is like, you know, put the testosterone on, get the blah, 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 do the eyes. You know, it's like, oh, my God, how many little things have I got next to my toothbrush? But it's worth it Mm. because I feel good.
1: Mm. That's important, isn't it? I mean, it's hard when I'm sitting here thinking, you literally just sort yourself out from those baby years, from a decade of hormones and and everything. Literally, all my friends are like, okay, we made it to this. And then you're just like, well, not for long. But what can you do? Mm.
0: But I think, you know, we were talking about gratitude. I sometimes wonder whether women have more gratitude in life, because you know, even if we have got the perfect life, we also have to go through a lot physically and mentally with our hormones mm. from the very, very get go. You know, puberty's hard. Our periods are hard. You know, lots of people get PM. I mean, there's a million things. Mm. Endometriosis. Having a womb just comes with a whole host of issues. Pregnancy, difficult pregnancies, you know, like miscarriages. There's so many things that... And Maybe at the end of the day, that makes us happier mm. people. I, I actually had um I don't know. Caitlin
1: Moran on the podcast, Caitlin Moran, I never had I how to say it, on, my, on the podcast talking about womanhood, and she said, actually, if you look at elderly people, because women have reinvented themselves so many times, by the time they get to hopefully being mm. old, they feel great, whereas men have, have been much more linear, and then they don't, yeah, I don't know, mm. they have not involved, so... mm yeah, maybe it's a gift. In fact, what I was going to say, I'm going to try and end, like, lean into some positives. There's a great scene in Fleabag mm. with, with Kristen Scott T- Thomas who talks about going through menopause and then being free. Mm. And, mm. and I think, yeah, we have to understand that on the other side of this, we're finally level out, maybe. Do you feel like you've leveled I out? I mean,
0: listen, going, going, through, going through menopause... Right, there's two there's two things if you if you can't take HRT there are a million things that you can do to help yourself I mean there are lots of natural things that you can do like um, mindfulness CBT therapy exercise um, eat the right things because we are what we eat that I never a truer word mm-hmm. um, and those are all the natural things you But there are also medications that can really, really help you if you can't take HRT. So please do research into that. Do not think because you can't take HRT that there are no solutions for you because there really are. I bang on about HRT because I'm on it. But I also try and bang on about all the other options that are open to women who don't want to take it or who can't take it. But if you can um, and you go and talk to somebody and you, you weigh up. All the different factors. Then the minute you get on HRT, two or two weeks later, you know there might be a bit of bit of juggling because they start you on a very low dose because you only really want to take as much as you need. So the minute your symptoms have stopped, they know they've got you on enough oestrogen and they stop there. You know I'm on a very high dose of oestrogen because I don't absorb it very well. Um, But but um, the minute you get on it. You know you feel great like it's i'm not even i i i felt great through my perimenopause because my hormones were were leveled out mm. so i had two or three bad years but i feel brilliant now and the other thing about it is that yes you're right it is a transition i mean on the front i call it your roadmap to a second mm. spring um the Chinese call it a second spring, and I really, really love that. So I nicked it for the front of the book because there's something so gloriously true about it not being an autumn of your life, which you could be forgiven for thinking. Mm. You know, you're coming. I'm in the last, uh, the last half of my life. Um, it, it's a spring because it's like being reborn. You know, it's like, oh, what do I want to do? Uh, what do... when I was in my baby years. I think I probably went out clubbing three times. I go, go like every two months. What? Like, Do you? I, I, yeah. I've signed up for Boiler Room TV. I've, I'm a Schwire. Like, <laughs> I love it. I don't stay out till 4 o'clock in the morning. No. But I come back at 2. Uh, I wake up at like, you know, 9.30, and I know it's the morning. But uh, it's like, it is like being reborn in that sense. You know, one of my drugs of choice is music. I love music. It makes me unbelievably happy. And to be able to really deep dive back into music mm. again and to, um, you know, have a bunch of friends who are all going through the same thing, right? Like, all, imagine when all of your friends' kids are all self-sufficient. Yeah. And you are all really good friends. You've all been through the childbearing. All my friends are like my baby friends. And we're all like, oh, my God, we've got birthdays coming up. You wanted to know what star signer was. I'm a Libra. Ah. And we've all got birthdays coming up the next couple of weeks. I'm going Radio Rental. <laughs> so excited. And my birthdays used to be, you know, supper at home with the kids and thanks very much and let's go to bed at nine. Not anymore. But we, you do, well, you get, you get an opportunity to. I don't want to go clubbing all the time, but occasionally if there's a really, we saw David Rodigan, not that long ago. Oh my god, that was so good! Just dancing and being with friends and laughing and music—the best yeah. thing ever. And know, I don't drink alcohol. I don't need. To, I don't need to drink booze. I just have such a lovely, a lovely time. And I couldn't do that before because I knew my kids. I think, oh my god, they're all going to be up at six thirty. It's so exhausting. You just lose the impetus to do anything like that and it's right you should lose the impetus to do it because you've got kids to look Mm. after but we've done that Mm. and you know we're on the other side and it's good there you go that's it
1: it's like there are good times coming there really are and yeah you've you've earned it oh
0: my god clemmy there really are
1: you've you've earned to go you go and dance but like with all your wearables about you knowing what you're doing choosing to do Mm. it with with people you know that's the joy Mm. isn't it your friendships become more and more like the people that are so an important extension of your life yeah i adore my girlfriend so much now and and and, and and then it's just glorious isn't it yeah
0: have I made you feel better?
1: Yeah, you have. You have. I think I think that it's one of those things like all these chapters. Look, the the reality is, is that there's some really tough parts to it, but we can do it. Mm. We can do it. Like yeah. I know I know with as you said at the beginning, we know we can do it. And then yeah, then then we get there on the other side and we can help each other. I think that's it,
0: isn't it? And now you've got me. Yeah. Like you've got Auntie Davina. You can call Auntie Davina whenever you like, Clement. I mean, it's just knowing that every weird
1: thing that you might be feeling could well be a thing and and, and also that there's a solution for it.
0: Yes, there is a solution. This is the thing that, um, you know, even if you can't take um, HRT, there is a solution mm. and there are solutions and there is help out there. But not knowing and putting your head in the sand or not trying to learn about it is counterproductive because um lack of knowledge uh, increases the pain of fear yeah it's so true and the burying the head in the sand is is,
1: is bang on because funnily as i turned 40 well earlier this year i've suddenly been invited to a lot of menopause things i was like oh they've got this wrong why do they keep inviting me to menopause things what yeah but people, be like, that. look people are someone to send me supplements or try this i was like guys i'm not quite there and then i'm like oh no like tool up on this one and and then by the time it happens or maybe it won't happen as badly as I think and it will be okay
0: this this book is quite interesting yes yeah, show it's it. a lot about all the kind of supplements. well this this book's quite interesting because it talks a lot about the supplements and stuff that you can and can't take um uh, or not that you can't take but that things that um help I mean there aren't there aren't many kind of supplements that will help you with a big old symptom. Like mm. things um, things might help you right at the beginning, but it's not hormones are the things yeah. that help. Um, but there are some medicines now that have been made, but you're not going to find them in a vitamin. No. Um, but there are, again, like this is part of my routine, there are various vitamins that I now take for things. like I started taking vitamin C and D in lockdown because mm. of our immune systems and actually i've carried on taking that because there's science behind the fact that it does help but i try and get most of my vitamins from my food right yeah. like i i should but i do take a bit of magnesium because i do work out a lot and that's good good for our bones um and fish oil for my brain so okay. i'm like rattling <laughs> that's, it's quite fun but so. the other thing to think about as well mm. Is that if you've got hypothyroidism, so if you've got um, an underactive thyroid, you can get menopause symptoms early you don't you you won't necessarily get it early, but I got mine at kind of forty two forty three and um, GPS generally sort of say, well, you can't be perimenopausal before forty five which is what I got, but I was mm. um, I had hypothyroidism and it meant that that's why it had started a bit early. also women, um, from different ethnic backgrounds they can sometimes start their menopause early and often women from different ethnic backgrounds really need to talk to each other a lot more mm. and support each other because their mums you know don't talk about it at all it's a matter of pride and strength and to, to get through it and that's quite a lonely place because if your parent literally won't talk to you about it you know I've got a couple of friends that like feel so isolated because they keep trying to talk to their mum about and it and like it. just get your shit together you know it's like well it's not that easy i'm trying trying to do a million things
1: (laughs) okay so the 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 things that i love is your book definitely get the book and at least tool yourself up about it and watch your um, documentaries but that thing about trying to get a women's health get in front of a women's health expert
0: and fighting for that and also clubbing together and 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 treat it like a pre-mortem you know forget the Mm post-mortem You want the pre-mortem before you even get there. Yeah. Like you're the perfect age. You've got a few years before you get there and use those years to help your GP's surgery get into the place you need it to be. Yeah.
1: And then you know what normal, hopefully, well, not normal, but you know what your baseline is. Otherwise, you've got no reference point. Have yeah.
0: You? Well, you don't need to, the thing is you don't need to go and see the women's health experts until you have symptoms. Yeah, okay. Like you don't, don't go, but make sure that <laughs> they're there. Yeah. Okay. You don't need to know what normal looks like because you know what normal looks like. You're living in it. Yeah. But you will know when unnormal happens and you want to be to have somebody there. So many people say that that, you know, their surgery didn't didn't have anybody there. And actually what you want to do is make sure that your surgery has got somebody that can help you. And that's so actionable.
1: And also, it's not that they're neglecting something. It's just that it needs to be asked, often needs to be asked for until, until it can be actioned. And we can be the people that ask for yeah. it, can't we?
0: Yeah. And, I, you know, GP surgeries are very busy. But they have loads of other, you know, they'll have loads of other clinics there. Mm. They'll have a diabetes clinic or a, a heart clinic. And you think, well, not everybody's going to get diabetes. Not everybody's going to get a heart disease. But every single woman in your surgery is going to go through the menopause. Like, that's worth having a clinic for. Yeah, it's not niche. It's not niche at
1: all. It's not niche. I've got three questions to end on. Have I got three questions? Where can people find you? I mean, you're quite easy to find, but in case they didn't know where to find you.
0: So I am. This is Davina on Twitter. So if you want to talk to me about anything menopause, find me on Twitter because I'm on there all the time answering questions or talking or. Um, and I am Davina McCall on um, Instagram and Davina McCall on TikTok. Are you on TikTok? How's that going? Um, I've not got a clue what I'm doing, but I, TikTok's a brilliant creative place, isn't, it? isn't Wild. it? I mean, I cannot make real to save my life or any kind of thing where you cut together. And I get so jealous when I see other women my age who are getting really good at the kind of real thing. Like Carol Vorderman, even the other day, posted something and she, like, it was various bits of video all stuck together. I was like, carol is showing me up <laughs> she's really good at this stuff. um and there are some people there's a psychologist i watch called um dr julie smith and she oh yeah she's brilliant makes these videos her, her husband films them all by the way okay but they look so professional. The, the way that that oh my god the way that they're shot and the ideas that she comes up with i'm always like it's just me talking into a camera just going all right like,
1: but um her things are so um, uh, know, uh, Yeah, they're so succinct and they're quite complex ideas boiled down to mm-hmm. something very strict yeah, well done, Dr. Julie Smith. She's nailing it.
0: There's but, another um amazing doctor. She's in the so in the back of this book I've written down a load of menopause warriors. So if you're in it or you are going into it. Um and all of their social handles. Oh yeah. And a quick sort of like why they're brilliant. But there's a doctor, she she also wrote a little something for me in the book called Nigat Arif. Doctor Nigat Arif. She is She's on this morning. She does loads of stuff on this morning. But she's a plain speaker. Her and Naomi are brilliant um, advocates for um, talking and trying to get the message out there in as simple a way as possible, the most palatable way possible. Um, Dr. Naomi Potter, she's Dr. Menopause Care on on Instagram. She's also a really good one to follow. I wrote this with her. She's so fastidious. Nothing that passes her lips is not fact-checked a thousand times. She is on it. Really um,
1: love that. So she's worth a follow as well. You've also got Caroline Hirons in your book. Right. Who, I mean, the myth, the legend. Yeah, I love
0: Caroline. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I thought, I'm just going to put the ask out there and you never know. And when she said yes, I nearly fell off my chair. I was like, what? I was so excited. And um, and obviously my partner, Michael, who's a hairstylist, and he he's really gone out of his way to learn a lot about menopausal hair, bless him, bless him. Um, for me and all of his clients so he does hair clinics and stuff so he's he's in there um and then my makeup artist who um is the best midlife makeup artist I've ever used ever and she's got lots of tips on how to deal with our skin um and my final question is always yes if if you could have an honest
1: conversation with one person who would it be and what would you say
0: oh god I love that um question and i think you know an honest conversation always makes me think of it's somebody that you have to uh, this is like an opportunity to talk to somebody that perhaps you haven't been honest with Mm -hmm. in the past like it's a kind of do you want to get something off your back i think like it might be a group of some sort um and I guess, you know, at the moment, um, it would be with the CEO, perhaps of, or maybe I'd like to get a group of all the people that make hormone replacement therapy, like oestrogen, um, in particular, the oestrogen, topical oestrogen, and um, have a very honest conversation as to why there are shortages still. I just don't understand. They know that demand is growing um year on year they know that's happening and yet we're not getting it and when you think about for some women it's life and death it's not okay there you go
1: that's a good that was a good answer off the the fly and perfectly tied in why is that what's going on i always feel very mistrustful of things like this literally
0: like i would love to know because i i I get annoyed because people chuck this thing of oh it's the divina effect and i think don't be stupid like i did that I did that documentary two years ago and what are you telling me not to talk about it so fewer women get help? Like, is that the solution? No, the solution is make more fucking HRT. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, to be honest, if every single woman needed it and wanted it, then that should be hopefully possible, shouldn't it? Right?
0: And it would save the NHS money in the end because they would stop having to do all these extra tests for all these things that we think are wrong with us Because we need HRT. I knew it would
1: keep the economy going, wouldn't it? If people could stay and work, etc, 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 etc.
0: Oh, my God. I mean, Clemmie, like, you know, this is exactly what I bang on about. Think about all these amazing 45-year-olds who've been in their jobs for 20 years, yeah, who really know their stuff and who are leaving unnecessarily because they haven't been heard or seen or and they're frightened and they don't know what to do yeah okay
1: well I I don't know how Terrible. I can help shift this but I feel inspired to do something as well
0: well this this has helped yeah because other people listen the more people that listen the better like I, I'll i talk about it forever until the cows come home yeah. because you know uh, and people uh, again sort of sometimes people in the medical profession like get annoyed with me because I'm a celebrity and I'm talking about this stuff but I'm talking about it because we all have a right to know about mm. it and I'm not I'm not going to stop doing it until everyone knows or everybody has a safe place where they can learn everything and know that it's all factually correct and it seems that that is quite a long way away it seems like it's
1: a bit miles away but you're doing it you're doing it. Thank you for all the work that you're doing for all of us. I really mean that. Thanks, Clemmie. We'll be all right. That's all I'm going to keep saying. We'll be all right. It'll be fine. And thank you for bearing with me with my technology fails early on. We got our... Bu- oh, our mute- well, I'm sorry. I was such a and I didn't have a
0: laptop.
1: What an idiot. Uh, well, that was a um, reassuring chat. I'm very much into the idea of um, making Davina kind of auntie Davina to me, where I can just bother her with all my queries and quandaries she may live to regret that offer as I do have kind of hypochondriac tendencies um no it's it's always best to have knowledge on your side and if, as well as knowledge having an army of women I feel like they are very very good starting points to finding a way to navigate through this but um there's definitely a, a huge education that needs to be done more conversations. Davina's book is a brilliant starting point for that. And as she said, the index at the back of that with a whole bunch of other people to follow. We will get through this. We will will come out the other side. And as I referenced in the interview, there's a brilliant clip in Fleabag where being on the other side of all of this, the, the final hormonal chapter as a woman is magnificent because then you are free. And I'm very much pinning my hopes on that. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to But Why. I'm very grateful to have you here. I say that every time, but I really do mean it. Um, Please join me next week for more chats. And do come and follow us on Instagram. We're at But Why Podcast over there. Like, comment, share, tell me who I should be chatting to. All feedback welcome. I am now off to sort my life out. As I said earlier, I am wearing a damp sports bra. I also haven't had a coffee yet and it's one o'clock so things are not going my way so I'm going to go and get some caffeine in me try and do some deep breathing and make the second half of this day a bit more productive. Wishing you a great day and catch you next time. Bye!